0: Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. Today, Carolyn Fernandez, aka my daughter and I, would like to have a topic with you about the gift of education that can never be taken away. My husband and I often would say the biggest and greatest gift we could give our children was a strong, solid education. And now with grandchildren, that's our one gift to them. We buy a lot of the toys and the chocolatey type of things. But the one thing that we, upon their birth, start and continue as grandparents is the gift of education. So that maybe someday when we're not here they realized how valued we were. From a woman with Irish immigrant parents, I say to myself, you know, my grandparents came over here, my parents started their careers and strived to get ahead, and the only thing that they always said, education, education, education. So I guess that's my immigrant roots that come back. And so that's why today I'm passionate about this topic, because today the gift of education can never be taken away, I think is so critical and so important. With vaccine rates climbing, everyone's getting the vaccine, which is a gift. And the COVID-19 cases seem to be declining. Let's pray that that continues. There is a renewed hope, I think, out there that our lives will soon return to normal. And that's, quote, unquote, what normal means. But the impact of the pandemic, however, is going to be felt for so many years. To come, And and I think especially in institutions of higher education in particular, when I look at that and I talk to parents that come into the office doing the financial plan and they're talking about the education, some of those topics and some of those discussions have actually shifted and changed over time because of what we've experienced in our country. We're facing numerous challenges, including the shift to the virtual learning that many of us experienced and the decrease in the student enrollment numbers. So although we have seen many transitions and changes within higher learning, and I think we will continue to see an adjustment in years to come, it's going to become an important part of our cultural legacy to say. And as parents and grandparents, I'm smiling at Carol here. The prospect of saving for education can seem at times almost daunting. You know, my sons have said, you "No, know, Mom, I have three children, and when I think of the amount it would cost, and that's even before." Some desires, sometimes with families to put their children in private education. So just the daunting idea of college when you're trying to buy homes, when you're trying to make mortgage payments, when you're trying to maybe start a company or a business. So today I thought this is really critical that we talk to other women who are experiencing this and then can share it. We have such a variety of women that some young moms listening and then we also have some grandmoms that really care about what happens to their grandchildren So there's a real pandemic impact. 44% of students say that pandemic has affected their ability to pay for college. That, to me, is heartbreaking. Student loan debt is the second highest consumer debt category, second only to mortgage debt. We need to think about that. That, to me, a young person getting out, trying to get a job, and then both credit cards and auto loans, it's right up there, 43.2% million students borrow on an average of thirty-nine thousand three hundred and fifty one each. If we really think about that's a total of one point seven one trillion dollars. To take you the kind of takes my breath away because we want to empower young people to feel like they can go out and achieve. But if they think they may be paying loans into their 40s, and I know that Carol and Rob will attest, they both have spouses that are in medical school and yes, we need great doctors, but if they come out with such huge debt that they realize they're going to be in their late 40s or 50s before it's paid off, that can be a little deflating to them. So that's what we want to talk about today. So the average cost of college in the United States is over $35,000 per student per year. What does that mean in 20 years? And and you figure that growth rate is up almost 7, 68 to 7%, right? So that's a, that's a scary thing. So that could actually wind up Exceeding $400,000. So I'm going to stop there, Carol, because to me, I want a young person's view of this, someone who is actually experiencing, he doesn't have to exit his MD, PhD, but I think that there are so many of your peers that are looking at that, but they're also having children, and they value education like we valued education when we came and started with our children. So talk a little bit to us today about what is a way of saving today for our children or even our grandchildren, let's explore some of those savings vehicles. Because I think people sometimes, you know, say, yeah, 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 I'll do that. But they don't realize the impact of the earlier they start, the better. So let's talk maybe about...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you hit it on the head. The, the earlier you start, the better. I mean, even if it's a small amount, vehicles that are tax advantages that allow you a lot of flexibility. And I think the most common one is the 529. That's the one that we talk about a lot. Basically, what a 529 is, is you're putting money in for education that's going to be tax-free as long as it's used for education or qualified expenses, they say. Most people don't realize how flexible this account is in the sense that education isn't just tuition. It's a room and board. It's buying a computer. It's really anything that you can touch to that student's education. And even now, if they get a scholarship, you can take some of that money out equivalent to their scholarship tax-free. It's considered a qualified expense. There's just a lot of advantages to it, not to mention even some states have even more advantages. So unfortunately, New Jersey isn't okay. one of them. And
0: what reasons. happens if I have, say, three children and one of them doesn't use the money for their 529 plan completely? How can I
1: transfer it to a sibling? You can also eventually, let's say that you have one child and they don't use it, but they have a grandchild someday. I mean, it can be passed down You have to be a little bit careful with tax reasons, but you you can definitely keep passing it. The other thing is now they've changed the rules in the past few years that you can actually use it for middle school or high school. So you don't want to do that. Too, too much, because obviously if you just de- complete it before they go to college, if that's where they're going to go, it's not going to help you. But you can use 10000 for, as you were saying, those private schools, maybe in, in elementary and, and high school.
0: And what if I wanted to reward myself? Let's say I had four children. I raised them and I said, okay, now this is my time to kind of reprogram myself to get back into the workforce. Can I use any of that money to educate myself?
1: Yeah. So five twenty nine dollars can you can change to you to be the beneficiary. Some people, including myself and some of my siblings, have created a 529 as soon as we've gotten pregnant. So the beneficiary isn't the name of the child yet because they're not even born. We don't even know what their name is going to be. But you could also change that. Like, let's say I want to go back to school and get a different degree. I can take that beneficiary and change it to myself and use it for education. So there's a lot of flexibility in there. There's also a lot of flexibility in who funds these 529s. Like, a lot of, you're right, a lot of us have student debt or that are young professionals starting out. Maybe our parents, instead of giving a birthday gift or a baby gift or any of that thing, you say, can you just put a little bit towards their 529? I mean, $25 in a 529 for 18 years is going to grow pretty fast. Well, I'm smiling
0: to you because I've heard that with four children okay. and now the five grandchildren that they often say, you know, mom just instead of giving them, just fund the college fund. And and I think that that is a gift to not only your grandchild in the long run, but also to the parents to take some of the pressure off them. I also want you to talk about, you said in the very beginning something that I kind of want to backtrack on. When you said, you know, the earlier you start, because we, we know statistically, right, that every 10 to 12 years, money doubles. So even if you You know, you think you started at $10,000, you know, like grandparents funded or someone said, let me just start to fund this or gifts over the last years. And that, if that compounds within 10 to 12 years, you've doubled that money and then you doubled it again. And you figured it's close to almost 20 years before they start college or a little slightly less, maybe 18, right? Right. But that's that's a a big significance, especially when you're continuing to contribute. they started so young. I guess that maybe that's the finance person, but I can't help but think. The other thing that does is if they know they have those plans, I actually, I'm an educator. I know at heart, but I always let my children know they had those funds, and they actually enjoyed watching them grow, knowing that we were beginning and the investments for their education. It was a nice way. They couldn't touch it, but they could certainly have learning experience of input on how that fund was growing for them.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the questions we get is, okay, let's say I do do the 529, but I don't get enough money. What should I be doing with those student loans? Should I be taking them? Should my child be taking them? I think one of the things we've seen is having your child take out the loan, even if you're going to pay it, is usually a benefit because they can get a lower rate than maybe you can and and the debt that then they pay off can help with their credit.
0: Their credit really goes up and they start to establish credit at a very young age, The other thing we found is sometimes depending on, especially the graduate school level, we always uh, caution many of our clients to think about this because if they fund their own or they go out for loans, if you personally loan them the money and then say they get a government job or they get a nonprofit in which they what they call forgive those loans, if it's a personal loan from you, that's not forgiven. But if it is a loan that they've taken out that's forgiven, and some people have kind of cringed because they thought they were helping their children, when really it would have been much more beneficial if for their credit rating to be built up, for them to take the loan out themselves, and then often it could be forgiven, depending on what type of institutional entity that they go to after graduate school. So. Yeah, and
1: i just just taken on a few other options, because we talked about the 529, which I think is the most popular, and honestly the one that we deal with the most, but there are other options. There's what they call UGMA or UGMA, which is essentially an account that is for your child that at a certain point has to be given to them. So either at 18 or 21, it becomes their money. A lot of people nowadays say, well, I would rather do that than do the 529 because I'm not restricted that it has to be used for education, right? Correct. The downfall of it is if your child is 21 or 18, is it maybe it's a maturity that you want or... Wants to use the money for something you don't think is appropriate, you don't have any control at that point. It does become theirs. So it may be the way to go, but you also want to know the benefits and downfalls to both.
0: And I and I think you're right. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's it's what is what is your rhythm, what fits best for your family and what you pick. But it's I think the key is know the different options that you have so that you make the right decision for you.
1: Yeah, and I just want to throw one more question out there because I think the common question we get is. Should I be doing a 5.29 or, or even saving for my child's education, or should I be saving for my retirement? Because so that's a very common question. And I, I think the answer is you should not save so much for their education that you're hurting your retirement. Because essentially, as we always say, you give the gift of education, but if they have to take care of you later because there's no money to take care of you, then the gift doesn't really help. <laughs> you want to help edu- educate your children. Don't get me wrong. It's always a benefit to early start smart, even a little bit. But don't do it to the point where you're really hurting. I I agree with you. So over the years, we've seen some people really
0: almost over fund the the 529 or or the child savings, and they didn't pay attention to their retirement. And I so agree with you. The greatest gift we as parents give our children is that we don't have to ask them for money someday. And there are so many vehicles of loans and qualified things that they can take out that it's important that you do make sure you're you're taking care of your retirement and that you're not becoming so one-sided. But that's yeah. what we talk about.
1: I think it's also important to note that a lot of people think 529s are just for college or even elementary and high school, but they can also be used for trade school, for anything that even is remotely education. And, and so I don't think you should be afraid to save in these accounts, worried that your child may not go to college.
0: I want to thank everyone for, for coming today and to addressing these, because we often don't think about the future. We're so busy surviving in our day-to-day, and that's when we talk about the work, money, and life, for especially women trying to juggle all these things. Carol and I particularly want to thank you for taking the time to think about these things, and we'd like to leave you with one thought that we always say. One thing that's unconditional is our love for our family and our children, and this is one way of showing it but also time and education. So you can't replace love, time, or education. They're so powerful as gifts, and we share them with our children and grandchildren. And I often think of the greatest asset that we can impart a part of the next generation is education. So as something that will never be taken away, and it can never be lost, the education of the mind. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Women's Wealth the middle way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.